0: Pastor Gerald Rico, and this
1: message is a part of our online ministry here at River of Life in Menominee, Wisconsin. To find out more about us, please visit our website, riveroflife.co. Again, that is riveroflife.co.
0: But for now, prepare your heart and enjoy this message. My name is Hannah. This is Nolan. We have four boys, Colton, Ryland, and Barron and Hayden. I grew up in Eau Claire Wisconsin. Grew up going to church with my family but I was not growing up in a happy home per se. What you saw on a Sunday morning, what you saw in our family during the week were um, not the same image. I had a youth pastor and his wife that cared about who I was and wanted to be uh, Jesus to me that I realized there was something that I needed there was a safe place uh, for me to belong and just over the years of of them along with some other uh, families pouring into me speaking life over me showing me Jesus in the flesh that I uh, was learning little by little uh, who Jesus was just by being around people who love Jesus.
1: Yeah, my story just kinda happened a little bit before hers. I'm living in Florida, Uh, Hannah's in Wisconsin, and we have no idea that as individuals, as we're trying to follow Jesus, he's doing something to orchestrate our life on this big picture. And I find myself, uh, after my senior year in South Africa, And I went with my church on a short-term missions trip. And I remember on the flight home, I felt like God said, hey, do you want to consider, do you want to continue going after this dream of yours? or Would you trust me on this other path? And I just remember being blank, like everything that I thought I was going to pursue was just empty. And I knew I had to follow. And I remember trusting him and I came home and I just to my pastor. I'm like, man, these are all the things I'm thinking. He said, would you, I think you should come to Europe with me. And as I prayed about it, I just felt like God was inviting me into this season of getting to know him. He said, just, I want you to fall in love with me. And I just trusted. It made no sense. Everybody that I went to high school was going to college. When I told my friends, I go, what do you, what do you mean you're not going to go to college? You're going to go to Europe? And all I knew was, it was crazy, but I had to follow this.
0: One day I was just uh, in a church service, and I just felt like God was inviting me into something bigger. And I decided I was gonna go for it. So I took that step of faith and ended up in Copenhagen, Denmark. Thought I was just gonna go for one year. And quickly realized that there was a whole lot of people that were just like me. Um, except for that they had no youth pastor. They had no one who knew Jesus in their life. Um, They didn't have the same opportunities that I had to encounter Jesus just because they weren't encountering anybody who had Jesus living inside of them. I knew that God was asking me to be a part of that answer, to be someone for those that I'd met in Copenhagen. Um, who needed to meet him, and they needed to meet him through me.
1: End up looking back now, and the season of trusting God, as I lived in Copenhagen, was where I met Hannah. We saw that God wanted me to walk in intimacy with Him. That's that's all I can define it as. And because I did that, I meet my wife. And all of a sudden, he invites us onto this journey where we've been serving in Europe for the last 20 years. I've lived longer in Europe than I have in the United States, all because we trusted God individually and said yes, and then all of a sudden, he invited us on this journey of serving in Europe, and it's been amazing. We've served in Copenhagen, we've lived in Brussels, Belgium for nine years, and then in the last four years, we went to Marseille, France, the church that we were at had this vision that they could reach out into their community. And when my wife and I looked around this lobby of their church, we saw so much potential that we could start a coffee shop. And we really felt like I was saying, trust me again. And it was, it was crazy. The night that we prayed this, the next morning, we get an email from a church in the, in the United States that said, we have $10,000, do you need any money? And right away, we knew, This is what God was asking us to do. People came into the coffee shop, and every day we're starting to meet these people that were our regulars, our our neighbors, people we would have never had access to. And we get to be inside of their lives and just love on them. It's really an honor to be here with you guys. Um, Just... Just being emotional down here. Because this whole journey, I just get humbled all the time to think this is what we get to do. that God's invited us into this journey. And I just go, but I'm a nobody. I'm, I mean, I never went to college. Uh, never went to Bible school. Just God keeps using our willingness to trust him. And we love. We've been back in the States for the first time in years. Our kids have never lived in America. This is the first year they've ever lived. We've been back a year now. We've traveled to a lot of different places. We've seen so many different churches. And on one way, it's super exciting. You get to see what God's doing. The other way, you're just seeing how church is being done, different places. And Then you have the overwhelming thing above it where you just are constantly pushed with all the news around you, and you're just trying to manage all the things the world's telling you, and managing what God's saying in your heart, and then we have four boys, which they are, uh, Colton here just turned 11 last week, and Ryland just turned nine a couple days before him, and Bayron turned six in April, and our little nugget is going to turn three. August. So there's a lot of energy in our house. A lot of energy. Um, so actually my, wife, my uh, mom and dad gave us a couple days where we get to um, We're getting ready to celebrate our 15th anniversary at the end of the month. So we're just enjoying <laughs> a few days just being together. It's been very refreshing. And um, yeah, we're just, we love that we get to be here with you guys. Um, I, This isn't just a a simple statement. More and more that I I reflect on this statement, I just realize how powerful it is. And it's been this this message that we kind of just want to share with you has been what we just feel like God's been putting on our heart. Because it's so important for us to realize that you weren't just saved from something, you were saved for something. Because more and more, as I get older, start peeling away the stubbornness and the my ability to try to figure out God, just be present and say, God, here I am. I keep seeing how he keeps working in my life. I remember when I lived in Wisconsin, I moved from Florida to Stevens Point, Wisconsin, and I heard this phrase that I'll never forget. And there was a guy that said, the question is not, will God do the impossible? The question is, will you be a part of it? And when I heard that as a 19-year-old, uh, I think the um, competitiveness in me said, "I want to be a
0: part I want to
1: be a part of the impossible. Little did I know that God was like, "That's great, Nolan, but I have a whole season of preparing you because you're immature. there's so much I want to teach you. I just thought it was going to be a part of the impossible. So that's why I'm like, going to Copenhagen, we're going to do great things for God." This was just one of the first lessons I learned that God cared more about who I was than what I did. I'm constantly having to refocus this idea that God cares more about who I am than what I'm actually doing. And what motivates me right now is it doesn't take much to look at the news, which I try not to. But when you do, you're not really seeing kingdom headlines, are you? It's going to be pretty hard to see any of those. You're going to see a lot of other stuff. And... I even don't try to get on social media much because that actually just makes me not feel good. I don't know what it is, if it's just scrolling through and looking at people's lives and wondering if that's really their life or the anxiety or the the way it makes me feel. I just try to put it away. I try to get away from the news and just focus, okay, what do you got you calling me to? And what I love about the Bible is it's the greatest story ever told. It's this beautiful story that starts in Genesis and invites us into this journey because God's invited us. To be a part of this story he's written. There's a start and there's a finish. And before the finish, there's these empty pages that each one of us, our story is being written into the Bible. The Bible is alive. And I love that when we get the chance to be at a church to just, one, motivate people to say, if you're breathing, your story matters. And it's being written, and God every day is inviting us to say, Can I use your story in my story that I'm writing? And what we've been learning over and over is scripture says, God's ways are not our ways. And He's constantly been tearing apart this mentality or this idea that the more we do for God, the better I am a christian the more that i feel good about myself it's actually the opposite the more that i just wake up and say god here here i am how can you use me today that has been the most beautiful journey that we've discovered and it's all i love that scripture just says and we know that in all things god works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose that as we follow into this journey and this This journey with Jesus, he calls us, always, he's calling us into this new season of life. It isn't, I remember when I was in Copenhagen, one of the first things that really shifted my, not theology, but was this process of being. We never just end up at a place with God and say, okay, God, I arrived. Here I am. Thank you for this journey. As soon as we get here, he's going to call us into this new phase because he has something better for us. We're constantly working on ourselves. And I love that because when I look back at our lives, we've been in all these places where God, we remember when God called us to Copenhagen and that journey working with discipleship all across Europe. It was beautiful seeing hundreds and hundreds of young people being passionate about what God was calling calling them to. And then being able to move to Brussels, Belgium. Remember when God called us to do that? We just got married. That was scary. I'm like, we're going to a new country. And then all of a sudden, We just discover all these opportunities. I got to wear a lot of different hats in Brussels. And I I chose this picture because I think this is when I started to learn it wasn't about all the things that I was doing for God. It was really just trusting that God isn't human. God is moving at a level that he sees the whole world and he's moving pieces. And he just keeps looking for people who says, I'll be obedient use me, send me. Even if it's in the most simplest things, we don't know what will trigger the butterfly effect of just being obedient with what God's calling us to do. And this little girl, every time I see her, I think about the opportunity that the organization we were working with was Convoy of Hope. And we got to be in Eastern Bulgaria where all the refugees were trying to come to Europe because that's what they believed was safety And so when we get there, and we're just trying to find any way that we can love on these people. Well, their most basic need is food. There were mattresses. There were blankets because they left with nothing. And so I just remember being in these tents with these people and just broken hearing their stories. And all we could do was just love on them. No one accepted Jesus. We just showed God's love. But it wasn't until months later That we found out that refugees were making it across into Western Europe. And when they were getting, one of our friends in Amsterdam said, You're not going to believe this. This refugee just came and busted in the doors and started screaming, You have to tell me about this Jesus. Because everywhere in our path, it was these Christians that loved us with a unique and a different love. And I'm going, Are you kidding me? Like it's just, it was those moments where God said, Just water where I've planted you. You have no idea who's going to see it grow. But if you just be obedient, I'm doing something. But I want to use you in that journey. And it's just been so much fun trusting God that he's going to do something that he's planned because he's written it in the scriptures. And so when we moved to Marseille, I love this picture because it's so plain. Um, When we felt like God was moving, has anybody seen Fixer Upper in here? Um, for whatever reason, I think we were watching a lot of it, and I just saw a lot of potential. I felt like Johanna Gaines and just seeing, oh, if we tear this down, if we add some brick here and color here and lots of wood and some subway tile, we could make something special. And so we started building out this coffee shop and really just made it a place that we would feel comfortable in, and we had no idea... That by serving coffee, we could share God's love in the most creative ways. And it all happened over coffee. And we call it our modern-day wells. Because so much happens over coffee today. When you look in the Bible, where did everything life happen? When women would go to the wells and grab the water. That would be your modern-day well today. Today's culture is just over water. Coffee. And so... I just wanted Hannah to share a little bit of just how we saw God moving in this season. It just, for, the, for 10 years prior, we tried all the ways to reach people for Jesus. And it was great, we saw success, we saw people meeting Jesus, but it wasn't until we started serving coffee that God just turned our thoughts on how we can just share God's love.
0: Yeah, I just, uh, real quick, even just wanna reemphasize what Nolan said at the beginning. We didn't know what we were doing. (laughs) Uh, We weren't trained to start a coffee shop. I did go um, be trained in how to be a barista um, when we decided to do this and definitely took every opportunity to learn and made contacts with people and stuff, but it's not like uh, we, we felt prepared is what I'm trying to say. And I would just like to encourage you guys in this place that you don't need to feel prepared or you don't need to feel equipped even in order for God to use you. And when we did um, open, we, I could never have imagined how God would have used this coffee shop the way that he did. The people that came in that I was able to get to know, moms, we had a a small room for kids to play, and that was very unusual for us. Uh, Actually, you can bring any animal into a restaurant, but kids are not allowed. <laughs> that's, a, that's just basically the culture. Um, but So there was a lot of moms that would come in with their kids. And because I was actually, I found out I was pregnant with Hayden just after we opened. So I was pregnant the whole first year, and then the whole second year, um, he was basically on my hip the whole time or with Nolan in the baby room. So there was just an easy connection. But these are people that would never come to church. Um, France and Europe, it's, post, it's post-Christian. So n- you don't know anybody who knows Jesus. You don't have any. It's irrelevant. It's completely irrelevant. Their history is very negative when it comes to the church. So um, it has a negative kind of, kind of memory for them. So if you bring up church, if you invite them to a church event, they're not going to come. There's no way. But if you, if you invite them to have a cup of coffee with you, they'll talk about God. They'll talk about their life. They'll ask you about your life. And before you know it, you're having church. It's just not called it. And uh, and that was what was so powerful, is that we just, we just wanted relationships with people. We didn't need to have a service or anything like that. And then we had started off... Um, We had started off as just a small volunteer base. And then what I found was so many people were so hungry for a community, a lot of my clients asked if they could be volunteers. And we just it just started to become this whole community of people that just, they wanted to be seen and they were feeling something. They called it a lot of names. Some people called it a soul. Some people called it just a feeling. There was a lot of names that they gave to what they felt when they were in the cafe, but we we knew who. The reason the real reason and we just it just opened up so wide these doors to be able to share god's love in a way that we never would through traditional church and um and yeah i'm just so grateful that god gave us that opportunity because it just totally shifted our our expectation and our mentality of how we could love people
1: Thanks, hello Missions has just been so much fun because we've just, we love people. We love being in people's lives because we see Jesus in them. We know that Jesus' story, he came so that all would know him. And we know Ecclesiastes, it tells us that God has put eternity on the hearts of men. It doesn't matter what religion you are, what you believe, deep, deep, down is this inner longing for purpose and identity, and people are filling it with so many different things. But at the end, we know that God is the one that put that beat in their heart, that longing. And we're just so excited that we get to be a part of this journey. And something that we've learned um, in this last season the reality is, in the last 20 years, it's not been all peachy. Serving Jesus. Being a missionary, being on stage, the opportunity to be on stage doesn't mean that life's easy. It was very difficult leaving Brussels. God had to use pain to get us to see that he was calling our name to say, guys, this is not where I want you to end up. I have something else in store for you. Brussels to Marseille was heartache. It quickly went away because we were seeking God every day and going, God, why did we go through this pain? And all of a sudden he goes, well, because I wanted you to do this. And all of a sudden, we see this purpose and identity goes, well, it's because of these last seasons in Copenhagen and Brussels prepared us for what was moving in Marseille, and it was exciting. And the thing that I've learned over the years is obedience, how important obedience is. And I love, and I love the story. Yeah, obedience is going to take us to Israel. Um, But I love the story of Moses, because for me, Moses, when I was a little kid, was all about the flannel graph, and Moses, and the water moving, and he's this hero of faith. But as I've gotten older, and I focus on slowing down when I read the scripture, and understanding that this man, when he he met that burning bush, he wasn't looking for that burning bush that day. God just crossed his path, and he spoke to him. And I love, I love that this hero of faith any first century Jew would just be like, Moses was amazing. He freed the entire nation. I mean, he did incredible things, but you look at his story and he was this leader who was reluctant. he didn't want to do what God asked him because he said well i'm I'm not a good speaker. I'm not eloquent. I mean when you just look at this story, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt and then pardon your servant, Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past, nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. I love that there's scriptures like this because it makes me feel better because this is how I feel all the time. But this was a hero of faith. And it's just, and this is one of my favorite ones. Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me? And so many of us, we feel that God's called us and we just have the same approach. God, I am not the person you want to do that. And you just get this inner, inner voice in your head that says, what if? What if they don't listen? Or what if if I give my finances the way you're asking me to? What if? You know, fear is constantly in our face. But Moses trusted through fear. And what I love, love, love about this story, again, is how many plagues were there? There was ten. And just think, so many of us, when we take a risk and we step out in faith because we believe God's called us to do something, and we've risked everything, and we're so proud of ourselves because we just stepped out, like, God, you're going to move, and failure. The first first time, he goes to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh says, no, I'm not going to let my people go. How many of us just say, okay, God, we tried it, we're done. That was enough. But I love that the, the story tells us, Moses realized it was not his job for results. All his job was to trust and believe God's going to do what he said he's going to do. And yeah, after the 10th time, something happened. And I just love that story because it's, what's, it's what we've been doing in missions. Is just saying, God, I trust you. I have no idea how this is going to work, but we're going to say yes. And then afterwards, you look back and you go, I'm so glad I said yes. I would have known that in Florida, being this 18-year-old that had a baseball scholarship that had his life, just everything I wanted, and God would have said, hey, Nolan, I want to mess your world up. I want you to leave all of it. All your friends are going to think you're crazy because that's not what you do in today's world. Go to college. Figure it out. He would have said, Nolan, give it all up because you're going to meet your wife one you really, really love, not the other one that you've been praying four years for. You're going to have four boys. You're going to travel the world. You're just going to have everything you ever wanted. Of course we'd say yes if we knew it was on the other side of obedience. But we don't. We trust through the fear because we believe that God's called us. We believe that our name is in the Bible and the greatest story ever told. I love, I love that. But here's something that happens. These are my kids, a little bit younger, in a stage of life. But when I look at this picture more and more, it actually makes me sad because my kids are growing up, and this, this precious stage of—I mean, it's just it, this—is one of the most priceless pictures we have. But it's this gentle reminder that God always reminds me on. See, for me, this is a moment at dinner where my kids are desperate for ice cream because we promised them, "Hey." There's something beautiful at the end of dinner. You love it. I love when my kids get ice cream. When we talk about ice cream, then their eyes get big because I'm a loving father. I love to make my kids happy. I want them to enjoy ice cream. But that moment of when dinner's at the table, though, and they don't want to eat that. They just want the promise of a beautiful ice cream and just the reward of that. But it's so often that when we step out, when you look at this story about Moses and going through this 11-day journey that took how many years? Because they just wouldn't be obedient to what God was asking them to. And God so often is saying, it doesn't matter how beautiful the promise I have for you, and what I've constantly been putting over you with prophetic words and people just speaking life of saying, this is a beautiful next stage of life. But your heavenly father loves you too much to say, until you're obedient with the things that I've asked you to do today, he won't let us get into this next stage of life. And this picture is just this gentle reminder that I still do this with my kids today, trying to teach them as simple as just, hey guys, you got to eat dinner because it, the, the dessert's not going to fill you up. God's doing with that constantly in our lives. And it's not just this big mountaintop experience. As soon as you get down and you're in this next phase of life, it's always something new. What is God asking you to be obedient with? And it's not just this deep obedience is because he's wanting to use your story. We're not going to impact this town and this county just by you preaching on stage. It's each and every one of us. It's the empty seats that's waiting for you to tell your story. Even a broken story. Someone who feeling like, my story's not good enough. No, your story's good enough. We just have to trust that God's going to use that. And I just, Hannah said it a little bit, but I just love, before we do this next part of our story, just saying we don't have to have all the answers. We just have to have the willingness to be used by God. And That's all we've been doing. So here's a little second part of the story. Last spring, COVID hits France. We just took this time to pray and seek God because we needed God to speak. We heard him just continue to bring Israel in front of us. Everything we known up to this point was all about trying to be obedient. But again, we we were so comfortable in Europe. We thought, no, this is where God wants us to be. And uh, I remember reading the Bible one morning And it was when Moses is getting ready to go to Pharaoh and he's afraid, he's like, what if Pharaoh doesn't listen? And God looks at him and he says, what's in your hand? And I remember just looking in my hand and I said, I have coffee in my hand. We believe God just took this last season of our life, which came out of pain. He brought us to a place where he trained us and gave us this passion that we didn't even know existed. And I think that's what's the beauty about following Jesus. Jesus never promised it was gonna be easy, but what he did promise in John 10.10 is a life beyond what I could ever imagine. And you don't get to experience that until you risk something. And when you risk it and you step out in this moment of what if, and then all of a sudden, you see God's faithfulness come across, and you go, I'm so glad I took that risk. Right now, we stand in this new journey, this new season with God to go to Israel. We've said yes. It's scary, to be honest. We have four little boys. We just packed up our house in France. We own nothing. We just put it in a storage unit. We came back because we just believe we're, we're foolish enough to trust God with everything we have because he's continued to be faithful. And each time we trust him, He gives us something more to be responsible with, and we're just excited for this journey to go to a place and love on people through coffee, cinnamon rolls, and food.
0: Trusting isn't always easy. (laughs) And what started off as just a feeling that needed to go and do this discipleship school in, in Denmark has turned into finding each other, getting married, saying yes to serving in Belgium, to go to Marseille, having no idea what was gonna happen there, starting a coffee shop. Each step has uh, grown our relationship with God, has grown our trust because his kindness has been a thread through everything even when it was painful, His kindness met us each step of the way. And it makes us want to keep going because things are happening that we couldn't do on our own.
1: And it's crazy, I mean, when God was speaking to us to change our life again, is right when the whole world stopped. COVID took over, paused everything, and we had a choice. We had to be reactive, not scale back and say, we don't know what God's going to do. No, we chose in that moment that God's still moving through COVID. God's doing something today. And he just says, what's in your hand? Because I wanna use you. He knew COVID was coming. He knew this pandemic would be here. And he wants to share his love through this season. And we're just trying to figure out how we can be a part of that.
0: So now we've left uh, our home in Marseille and we're moving to Israel. And we're going to be using coffee to create community, uh, to create space for people to feel seen and accepted and loved.
1: Everyone thinks of missions like if you're a missionary, you're sharing Jesus in these really profound ways. For us, we see it as opening a business and creating a coffee shop, a specialty coffee shop, And we've seen in our family, this is the best way that we can share Jesus, is simply over coffee. And we love that we get that opportunity to meet people and just be in their life, to be Jesus to them.
0: A quarter of 1% of Israelis have a relationship with Jesus and it's a number that's really hard to comprehend. We're praying, we're believing that God will use a cup of coffee to make a difference in that number. Yeah, and we look forward to sharing those stories with you.
1: You know there's an urgency today. It doesn't take much to look to know that we're in a period unlike we've seen. And it doesn't take much to look at scripture to go, okay, we know, we don't know when God's coming back. It says clearly none of us will. But he did give us signs. And I've never been Debbie Downer. But I felt more than anything that God's been asking us to start saying, trying to shake things up. Because I'm thankful I don't live in America. I would be way too comfortable here. I'm glad I don't own a home and a house right now, a car, all these things, because it just constantly helps me to remember that God wants us to enjoy the earth. He gave it to us to enjoy but he also wants to remind us that we're here for a purpose. And Matthew, it can, the, this, come, oh, yeah, right there, that one. I love this scripture because it kind of freaks me out a little bit. When the good news about the kingdom has been preached all over the world and told to all nations, the end will come. Okay, well, that's a great line, unless you have some perspective. About 15 years ago, missiologists started coining a phrase called unengaged, unreached people groups. Well, back then, what they defined as that was no single believer, no church, no missionary. And 15 years ago, they had identified in this term 3,100. And over the last 15 years, we're down to 170. 170 unengaged, unreached people groups. My generation is in a generation where there is Christians in every geopolitical place in the world. There have been missions organizations all across the world that have identified the 170 and have committed to reaching them. Now, if that doesn't put chills on you people, this scripture tells us when the world has been given the opportunity to hear the message of Jesus, the end will come. I'm not the end will come doomsday, but it looks at me as an opportunity that there is urgency today and there is an opportunity for us to engage. And perhaps it's not overseas. I'm not telling you to become a missionary. I'm telling you that God wants to use your story to reach the seat that's empty. He wants to use your brokenness, the baggage of saying, Jesus met the Samaritan woman. What did he tell her? She had five husbands, five divorces. And he spoke to her at the well and said, I'm the Messiah. I'm what you need. She ran to her town. They were saved. Play that back. Jesus just told her all of her baggage, identified why is she there at the well at that point of the day. She's embarrassed. She's an outcast. In an outcast society. But she changed an entire town because she believed him. She didn't go to Bible school. She was living with her boyfriend and she changed an entire town because she chose to believe the Messiah. Guys, if that doesn't give power to wherever your story is, it means you have the ability to change your town. And why? Because there's urgency. We must live in the tension of a beautiful world that God's given us but with the tension of that he's coming back and the time is now and last is one more my greatest fear is not a failure I'm saying it from me but my greatest fear is not a failure but I, I will succeed in life and things that don't really matter when I heard that quote, it just rocked me. Because there's so many great things out there to do. But my greatest fear is that I'll succeed in something at the end of the day. Wasn't kingdom-minded. It doesn't mean give up everything and just throw everything. No. God's just wanting to look and say, what have I been asking you to be obedient with? And How can you use that to tell your story of, me. Because if we all do it, for all all of us are in this story. It's for all of us to be a part of, for all to hear. That's our story. and It's just playing out. And as you heard Hannah say the statistic, which are statistics, but guys, that's why we're going to Israel. Because 99% of people don't have someone they're running into telling their story. 99% that blows our mind. So that's why we're going. That's why we need your prayer, because we've already been told, just words over us, that this is going to be the hardest spiritual battle we've ever fought. And We need people like you that are standing with us, because the truth is there's going to be days, or boys, that we don't have the energy. But we do, because supernaturally, you're praying, and God gives it. So we leave here today, we came here literally just to say, use your story. Use your brokenness to just be obedient to what God's calling you to because you don't know what's on the other side of obedience. You don't know the one person that you talk to, that you impact their life. You don't know who they are. You don't know their story and how that could literally impact the entire town. So we thank you. Thanks for this opportunity to be here. It's amazing. Uh, yeah, that's, that's our story.